with my really good friend and yours, Dr. Richard Allen Blackman. And we're on this journey together. Uh, we're using Dallas's, Dallas Willard's book, Renovation of the Heart, to think about how God wants to renew us from the inside out. And we're walking through this season, which is called Lent. It's a real important time in the Christian calendar where we think in particular about God's love for us expressed through Jesus and how that was climaxed in his sacrificing himself on the cross and how do we follow him so that we can die to what is wrong with us and be born to what is really good in us. And so Rick and I are going to talk about the mind in particular. And Rick, I'd like to read a couple sentences from Dallas's book about the mind. This is page 95 if you're following along. And then have you talk about uh, what it means as you work with people on how to change our minds. Uh, Dallas writes this, As we first turned away from God in our thoughts, so it is in our thoughts that the first movements toward the renovation of the heart occur. Thoughts are the place where we can and must begin to change. So think about that. I'll be eager to hear what you say. There, the light of God first begins to move upon us through the word of Christ, and there the divine spirit begins to direct our will to more and more thoughts that can provide the basis for choosing to realign ourselves with God and his way. And in particular this, the ultimate freedom we have as human beings is the power to select what we will allow or require our minds to dwell upon. I'll read that again. The ultimate freedom we have as human beings is the power to select what we will allow or require our minds to dwell upon. What do you think? You know, it makes me think way back, John, to when we first met and were training as counselors, um, the power of directing thoughts, mm -hmm. directing our thoughts maybe one could say thinking about thinking and the impact mm -hmm. that our thought life, self-talk it would sometimes be called, but just the idea that we're almost always thinking, but very frequently not aware of it and definitely not aware, as Dallas is writing, of the power of how our thoughts impact the rest of our lives, that particularly the ways that we feel. I, I remember a, a, a vignette a long time ago that always struck me it, pretend John and I, you and I are in a theater and we're sitting watching a movie and about 10 rows in front of us mm -hmm. this woman stands up in the middle of the movie and smacks the guy that she's at the movie with and stalks out of the theater. And then you and I being interested in behavioral science we interview people afterwards and the first person we talked to is, a, is an old man and he's really, I said what did, you, what did you feel when you saw that in that movie and he's felt really depressed and the next guy comes up and he, he felt really angry. And then another woman comes up and she feels terrific fear. And then maybe one other woman comes up and she feels exhilaration. She's like happy at that. 
So how is it that we could all watch the same thing uh, and, and observe the same thing but have such different feelings? And of course it's because the, the way each person thought. Mm. The guy who was depressed maybe thinks to himself, now he's lost her. And, and he'll never get to be with her again and maybe his own story has something some theme like that and the guy who's mad thinks oh he was probably just trying to kiss her why did she have to humiliate him like that and that little thing could be running through his mind it kind of create mm -hmm. a different feeling and the lady who's fearful maybe has had some abuse experience and so she thinks uh oh now what's going to happen when they get home and and she could feel genuine fear and, and I don't know I always throw it in the lady about who's exhilarated, maybe she like, leads a, a woman's empowerment seminar and she thinks, I wish my women could see that. <laughs> That's a go girl, yes. you know, that, yep. that kind of thing. But just, just how powerful that, um, that approach and thinking about. So when I'm working with uh, clients, I'm always interested in helping a person to slow their life down and to start observing and thinking about in the interest of being able to more clearly direct. No, what I get from that is it's easy to think it's the circumstance that I'm looking at that makes me feel this way and what I can miss is the role that my thoughts play in between what I'm seeing and what I'm feeling. Yeah. Dallas goes on to the yeah. next page uh, actually to talk about this. Now clearly our thoughts are one of the most basic sources of our life. They determine the orientation of everything we do and evoke the feelings that frame our world and motivate yeah. our actions. That's exactly. what you're saying. Interestingly, yeah. you cannot evoke thoughts by feeling a certain way, but you can evoke and to some degree control feelings by directing your thoughts. Our power over our thoughts is of great and indispensable assistance in directing and controlling our feelings, which themselves are not directly under the guidance of our will. We cannot just choose our feelings. So powerful. It's why I think we just both love Dallas so much. He's like a master psychologist as mm -hmm. well as a master spiritual director and, and part pastor. And part of what he writes here is one of the main things that's needed for life and needed for flourishing uh, is that we retain awareness of God in our thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Which was another way of thinking because in therapy and counseling I might be challenging thoughts that would create depression or create anxiety but there's also the whole part about noble thoughts and and dwelling on God and trying to think about God more when you and I talk in the morning John as we frequently do about the day it feels like one of the things that you're helping me do is to think in good ways and in, in powerful ways about God and the way God might be involved well in the day and what struck me when you were saying that when we think about uh retaining the knowledge of God in our thoughts, as you're watching, as you might think right now, is that something attractive to you? Because what struck me is mm. a lot will depend on how do I think about God? What kind of a person do I think God is? And do I actually want to be carrying the thought of God around in my mind? Or do I think of him as forbidding or stirred or punishing? Or if I'm yeah. feeling like, well, I think I'd like to keep a little space in my life for a little bit of sin today, um, would God ruin that for me? That question of, um, mm. am I thinking about him in such a way that I want to invite him into my mind seems like a key one. It seems that that's why we'd want to study and learn, yes. isn't it? Like 
to know oh. to know about God, to yes. know what He's really like, what God really intends. Maybe it's that vision question. You know, and, last week you were talking about Vim. So. Yep, yep. And for Lent, maybe if part of the goal around the mind is to die to unworthy thoughts about God. Oh, yes. See, that and, stirs my heart. That's a vision I can get behind. <laughs> yes. Uh, and to have an understanding, a vision of God born in us um, that makes me want to have it. Yeah, yeah. All right. One last sentence. This is so good. Lightning round. Short response on your part. Okay. Dallas says, as our senses present a landscape for our body and its actions, you see mountains or beaches or fields, so our thoughts present, and I've not seen this word before, the lifescape of our will and our life as a whole. Within that thought lifescapes, including our perceptions, we make the decisions that determine what we will do and who we will become. And I think we've talked before about, at a very basic level, um, uh, am I safe? Am I okay? And so that notion, the Lord is my shepherd, is a kind of lifescape. Or, I have no shepherd. There is no one there. I am on my own. And that question of, am I attached to a power greater than myself or not? It's the, the maybe hottest thing in the counseling world these days is people love to talk about attachment mm -hmm. and they like to differentiate secure attachment from insecure attachment and secure attachers people who comfortably connect and attach with people are considered much further along the lines and th thriving and flourishing than insecure attachers who are either avoidant or anxious and as you just were reading that, I was thinking about if the base of secure attachment, which is maybe not possible to totally find in this world, can be in God. I'm remembering the talk you gave a while back after the war first broke out about um, we can fully and only truly be safe in the hand of God. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's so clear to me, and that's part of what I like about being a Christian counselor, John, is that secure attachment, I know where it comes from. It comes from that vision of finding my basic and ultimate safety in God. So today, just watch your mind. The invitation today is um, to observe what kind of thoughts am I having? And are they reflecting a deep sense of attachment to God or a sense of insecurity? When I think about God, is my next thought, I'd really like to have the thought of God in my mind, or do I find myself thinking, ah, I'm not too sure about that. Mm -hmm. Today, let's be students of our own minds. Rick, thanks so much for this. Oops, See you next time. Fun, John.